Hello stackers and welcome to another Monday. As we continue our summer content, I thought it would be fun to take a moment and just do another writing prompt, a one hour, 30 minute writing session in which I set my timer, chose a topic, and just decided to go. The story that follows is the result of that work. I did take a few minutes after the fact to do some editing and try and smooth out some of the rough edges, but basically the intent was for this to be a 90-minute writing race and see what came out of it. I hope you like the results and that you're enjoying our ongoing story. In this episode, we will be using BattleBards sound effects. Check them out, battlebards.com. And if you're signing up for a Prime account, be sure to use our code STACK to get a discount. Ascension It had taken some time for the madness to die down. How many days had it been? Aketsali shook her head with narrowed eyes, her dark face pinching with the task of remembering the painful time. A day or two, but it felt like a month since the strangers from the sky had completely shaken their world. What a sight it had been. A great shadow in the sky that blotted out the sun, a man of feathers wrestling with a wooden hulk before splashing down into the lake outside Tlacapa. The whispers had begun immediately, word passing from mouth to mouth like a fire raging on the open grassland in the dry season. She had heard pieces of the rumors, pieces filled with just enough of the milk of hope to send her running to the once great city's western walls to gaze on the end of that plummeting struggle. There it had sat, a wooden ship like the ones in the old stories from faraway places, the epicenter of rings, of roiling lake water that lashed furiously against the shores, small dark figures scrambling out from below to attend to the damage, and here, not far from the ship, a few others laboring through the water to come to shore. The feathered man was gone, but now three sopping figures stood catching their breath. Then came a flourish of trumpets, and along the walls the sun-fed watchers clicked their tongues as the gates below opened, and curling out came the Don in his finery. The people, native to Tlacapa, became quickly subdued, letting silence take control. They knew too well what outward displays of disdain would come to, and the Don's armored guards among them flashed challenging glances as their hands tightened on their weapons. The warning was enough, and the walls began to empty, slowly at first, and then with gathering speed. Aketsali had resisted leaving, but as the Don concluded his introduction by the lake, she had at last turned and moved down the stairs. Normally she enjoyed standing on the walls, greeting the sun, feeling the warmth of the sun-warmed stone stairs through her thin sandals, trailing her fingers over the rough grit of the pale yellow sandstone walls. But now her brain was on fire. Could it be? Might the prophecies be coming to life? Now, back atop the wall two days later, she was sure of it. There was tension in the air, a feeling like a storm about to break. When she had seen Chancho hand over several sturdy donkeys in the gloom of early night and heard him speak strange words to the strange people, she knew something was coming, but just what remained to be seen. The first hour after the stranger's departure had been the worst. Her people were panicked, 
the guards more cruel than usual, and Ladone's indecision had led to a scene of great confusion. Even now in her state of reflection, Aketzali's memories of the departure were a jumble of shapes, sounds, and smells, sharp cries in the familiar Kazaran tongue as those of the land realized the guards were among them, a general stampede to the gates to return to the city, the rise and fall of heavy wooden truncheons as the Don's men had laid about, left, right, and center to capture as many of those involved as possible. She had been far enough away from the first blows, however, and somehow managed to evade the guard's attention. Even in the dark, she knew these streets from a lifetime of navigating. First, in playing and exploring as a little girl, and then for her many errands for the Don's household. The knowledge had allowed her to come at last to her parents' home, where she had laid low until the storm abated. Voices cried in the streets outside. There was an eventual knock on the door. One of the guards spoke in clipped tones, his pale and impassive face flat, as he took a quick count. Then he had placed a mark on the front door before moving on. The next day had been especially rough, as those taken were tried in the great plaza inside of the entire city. This had led to murmurs and discreet grumbling. That Kazarans would be humbled in a place that had once known the sovereignty of only Kazarans was an insult. But the final straw had been when a figure had been shoved before the Don's impromptu court and a rough sack torn away from his head. Chancho had stood, blinking but defiant, his face a mask of quiet resolve before the Don's furious anger. Aketzali could not remember the Don's words. They were mostly unintelligible anyway, and the translator struggled to keep up with the snarled and hissing clauses. What remained in her mind, and those of many others, however, were Chancho's responses. With remarkable calm, he had always answered coolly, respectfully, but always in Kazaran. This only served to infuriate the Don more because with each response the rest of crowd cheered, the situation was slipping. After one last question, Chancho had answered in his same simple way, These lands belong to Kazarans, Lord Don, from the rising of the sun to its setting. You may live here, but we are of it, and we shall not cease. The Don had snapped, leaping to his feet and swaying, his face nearly as purple as the cloth of his elegant clothing, in wordless rage, he had pointed at Chancho, and the guards had moved to drag him away, when the crowd of Kazaran surged at once, breaking through the cordon of soldiers and releasing the fury of many years of bottled-up resentment. In minutes, the battle was over, and the Don and his guards were captured. They were led to the great gate, stripped of their weapons, and shoved onto the great road to find their way back to wherever they had come from. After this, jubilation reigned in the city for the rest of the day, and that evening the bats had swooped and soared in their erratic paths over rooftops filled with people singing songs and dancing, eating and drinking. But it wasn't until the morning that realization began to set in. The clearing of the city's foreign elements had felt long overdue, but now that it was done, there was a watchful emptiness that brought with it a sense of dread. Surely the foreigners would return with great armies, and this would mean even greater trouble. 
The city's oldest and wisest Kazarans had then met to share counsel. Old men and women, their hair gray and teeth few, drew upon their collective memory and wisdom to guide things. Supplies must be gathered, defenses made sure if they were to weather the undoubted response. But through it all, Aketzali was glad to see, they also took care to make sure everything was clear and reasoned, and the people had responded appropriately. The people remained orderly. Those on watch took care to report accurately. Homes were left open to provide resting places and refreshment. A spirit of community had bloomed in a place where guarded doorways had only just been a reality. At the dawn of the second day, the first reports had come back to the elders. A small army was approaching. It was on the move and would be at the walls by midday. The rising sun confirmed the report as moisture steamed into the mid-morning air from the thick grassland. There, in the distance, came the gleam of sunlight on armor. A gasp arose from the watchers on the walls. Teams of oxen were also towing a great siege engine designed to hurl huge stones at the walls and gates. The coming fight would be difficult indeed. By noon, the first elements of the foreign army, perhaps a couple thousand strong, were filing into place in a loose ring around the city. Here and there, hasty shelters, nothing more than cloth staked over slim wooden frames, were pounded into place to provide a measure of relief from the beating sun. There was still a hum of activity inside the city and out when a small group of soldiers rode on sleek horses from the encircling army and headed for the gate. The people groaned when they saw that among this group was the Don, who approached with a sneer on his face. He looked as though he wanted to say something, and started to urge his horse forward, but the gauntleted hand of the man to his left grabbed the horse's reins, stopping it short. Without even a sideways glance, the commander of the army then released the reins and moved ahead instead, his banner-bearer following close behind. The commander sat upright in his saddle for a long while, surveying the people along the walls, taking in the height and apparent thickness of the walls, searching the wood of the gates for signs of weakness. At last he looked back to the walls. He spoke, his voice carrying with no seeming effort. His words were in unmistakable Kazarin, although his accent was heavy. People of the land, you have raised the banner of rebellion. My master is most displeased. For this, you will pay. Although the price need not be heavy. Give to me the one called Chancho and those who have led you in the last two days, and we will leave the city intact. This is the first force we were able to raise from nearby. Many more trained soldiers are on the way. Your old ones, your wives, your children will suffer. I beg of you. Relent from your folly. Refuse or resist, and... He shrugged and twitched his head back in the direction of the great siege engine, where teams of soldiers were unhitching oxen and beginning to haul the heavy timbers into place. Then, from somewhere along the wall, a voice began to sing. It was an ancient song, one that mothers whispered to their children in the dark of night, a song of hope, a song of the rising sun, a song of the feathered dragon, a song of a return to glory. From where she stood, Aketzali heard the old 
comforting words and began to sing herself. She began timidly, feeling silly for the briefest of moments for joining in with the words of a children's song, but others had taken it up, and she realized that hers was the strongest voice here and she pushed aside her doubts. Within moments, the entire wall was singing with growing pride. The echoes rang fiercely and triumphantly, and the soldiers around the city paused in their work, now uncertain at the unexpected display. The Don howled in rage, nearly falling from his horse. The commander's composure was a striking contrast, however. He glanced with obvious contempt at the Don, and started to wheel about to give the word for the trebuchet to begin its heavy work. At that moment, however, a tremendous rumble shook the earth. Atop the walls, the Khazarans clutched at the stone walls as the singing faltered. Outside the city, the motion of the working army came to a standstill and soldiers glanced in fear in all directions. A powerful, invisible wave slammed over everyone present, Khazaran and foreigner alike, shaking clothing and rumbling with inaudible tones before fading into nothing. A white light bathed the entire scene, obliterating sight for a few seconds. Silence. Then, far distant, as sight returned, Watchers saw a plume of black smoke come boiling out of the distant mountain peak that rose from jungles made blue by the intervening miles. A collective gasp arose as a gleaming shard of light rose into that distant sky. It moved slowly at first, seeming to creep along in the hazy midday heat, but then it began to gather speed and rose smoothly into the bright blue of the sky. With a final wink of light on the faceted surfaces, the shard blinked out of sight. The silence lasted for a moment longer, and then pandemonium. The first to react were the Khazarans. Someone near Aketsali shouted even more familiar words, words that had become ingrained in the city's mind over the last two days. For from the fiery eye comes our great strength, a dragon dressed in feathers at its head, to usher in a day of strength renewed. A great shout sounded and the people surged down from the walls and through the gates. Aketsali remained rooted to her place on the wall, her fingers turning white as she gripped the stone in front of her. What was she seeing? As the gates opened and the people, her people, streamed through, a dark mass surging toward the glittering horde, it seemed to Aketsali's wondering eyes that the Khazarans were growing larger that ethereal wings of pure light began to sprout from their backs and beat at the air. Their very numbers seemed vastly multiplied. What was this vision? She blinked hard again, swallowing as she waited for the sounds of pain to begin. But they never did. Unprepared for the sudden rush, the nearest soldiers of the encircling army threw down their tools and began to flee, running through their fellow soldiers. In moments, a general panic arose, and within minutes, the army was streaming away in a silver flood. The partially finished trebuchet was abandoned, along with the discarded weapons and tools of the retreating army. The last to depart was the commander. He had not been idle, 
When his army had failed to respond to his shouted commands, he had calmly organized a small rear guard of the least panicked. With the retreat secured, he turned to face the Khazarans racing toward him with a calm tilt of his head so that the sunlight flashed from the polished Morion. He smiled thinly, then casually turned and trotted alongside the guard. As he rode, the commander's words floated easily back to the cheering Khazarans who pulled up at the readiness of the rear guard. We shall return, dear friends. We shall return. Aketsali heard and shuddered, but her moment of fear was quickly pushed away by the victorious roar of Tlacapa's defenders, who now showered ridicule on the backs of the retreating army. There you have it, stackers. That was my 90-minute writing exercise for this week's special content. I always have fun doing these. It's always fun for me to take a part of our story and try and stretch it out, maybe give a little insight into things that have happened outside of the eye of the game. And I hope you enjoy it. I hope you find value in this. I like it because it helps me to visualize things a bit more, maybe make a bit more sense of things that have happened outside of our story. If you have done something similar to this for your games, we sure would love to hear about it. Or if you have been inspired by anything that we've done in our games to write your own stories or try and envision what might have happened outside of the game, please do share that with us on Twitter and Instagram at stackadice. Or you can email us at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. I do want to take a moment, stackers, to thank you. We have had loyal listeners over our run, and it's been great to hear from you. Any way you choose to contact us, it has been wonderful to hear your thoughts, your encouragement. Uh, we've gotten reviews. We have another review that we will read at the beginning of our first episode of season four, which is coming up sometime in September. And so we, uh, we have some fun things to look forward in this new season, and we're going to kick it off with, a, with another review that has been great to get. But we really appreciate those of you who have been with us for this journey and just know that all your comments and your support and your encouragement go a long way to help us continue in this work. Hope you have a great week ahead and we'll see you here again next time at Stack of Dice. <laughs>